Okay, guys, I know y'all tuned into another episode today of Hot Takes with TP3. Before we get things started, um, we got a quick word from our sponsors. The first sponsor of today's episode is Prize Picks. I don't know if y'all are familiar or not with Prize Picks platform and how it works. If you download the app and you use promo code TP3BETS, you will receive a 100% instant match deposit of up to $100. So you deposit $100, you get $100 back. Let's say you deposit $50, you get $50 back, and so on and so forth. Um, how it works, guys, you pick two to six players, and if they'll go over or under their projections, more or less, um, you get up to 25% or 25 times your money on that. Let's say tonight you want to pick Luka Doncic to go over 28.5 points, LeBron over 7.5 rebounds, Dalvin Cook over 86.5 rush yards, and let's say you want to go with Jameis Winston under 205 pass yards, something or other like that, guys. It offers a ton of sports. That means you can have NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football. The list goes on, on, and on. They even have tennis, NASCAR, Anything you could possibly want, it is on there. I promise, guys. Prize Picks is available in your state. Download the app to check and make sure it's in your state. Once again, use code TP3BETS. It takes about 60 seconds to pick everything and deposit. It's easy withdraw, easy deposit. Once again, use code TP3BETS if you want to sign up for Prize Picks. Guys, our second sponsor for today's podcast is Alloy Sports. Look, I know a lot of y'all have listened to our podcast for a long time, but y'all are probably wondering by now where I get my stats and trends from. Well, if you want to build winning systems and use trends and stats like I do, download the Alloy Sports app. The app, the link is in my bio on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at TP3Bets. Go click on it. Download it, guys. I promise, guys, it will help you guys bet like a pro. If y'all want to use the same trends and everything I do, download it now. Alloy Sports, once again, that's A-L-L-O-Y. S-P-O-R-T-S, Alloy Sports. Y'all go download it and give them a listen. How's it going today, guys? We're back here live in the studio on Tuesday, January 3rd. It is now 2023, guys. First podcast of the year. Me and Ben Gorwitz coming back to you guys. Ben, how was your New Year's, man? News was good. Uh, I went to the Georgia Aquarium this year. Uh, they do like a little formal event, live uh, live music at a bar, and it was pretty crazy, pretty cool. Yeah, I was actually a little jealous. That actually sounds pretty lit. I went to a bar with a bunch of Georgia fans and watched them go crazy watching the game. Um, I did on sa- on Sunday um, secure a fantasy football championship, so it felt great to become a champion again in fantasy football, but before we uh, get today's podcast started, guys, we have a little something on the heavier note to hit on. And then after that, we'll talk about some uh, NFL and college football takeaways. Um, sad scene last night, guys, where Damar Hamilton got hit by T. Higgins. I mean, it wasn't like it was a head injury or anything, but ended up dropping on the football field. Um, that administered CPR, defibrillator, all that stuff. I mean, it was a very sad and very sobering moment. You know, it's one of those moments when you realize there's things bigger than sports that might be going on in the field. And Ben and I want to send our thoughts and prayers to Hamilton and his family, and we hope nothing but the best for him. And it looks like he's in stable condition right now. So all things Hamilton, are looking up. Right? Hamlin, yeah, sorry, Hamlin. Yeah. That's that was the scariest thing I've ever seen mm-hmm. uh, in sports in my entire life, maybe ever. Yeah, uh, he got up after making the tackle, and then just his body collapsed on, fainted. So, yeah, I mean, we we I feel like we still don't know um, a ton of information. We we know his vitals are you know got a positive check back, but he's on a he's on a breathing tube, and they're trying to run tests and. Um, 
you know, whatever outcome he wants to be, if he wants to play football again, I, I, I hope he comes back and is a tremendous football player. If he doesn't, then I hope he finds success in life. I hope he pulls through. Um, obviously, I think it's, I think it's good that he's 24 years old and, and he's in, you know, better shape than a hundred percent of the population on, on planet earth. Cause he's a professional athlete and that's got to help in some kind of way. So obviously, yeah. I mean, thoughts and prayers that hopefully um, he's able to come through. Hopefully doctors can, can save his life and uh, you know, best wishes to him, his family, and uh, hopefully we can get his life kind of back on track. Yeah. I hope, hope everything goes well for him. Um, fortunately, he's, me, he's the same, same age as me. Wow. Yeah, he was a beast at Pitt too. I didn't even realize who he was, and then I looked him up once it happened. He was he was I remember watching him play at Pitt. He was a dog for sure. And he still is in the NFL as well. So hopefully, yeah, he can get everything on track. It's a sad, sad thing that happened. Ben, moving away from this, not speaking in player safety or anything, how do you think the NFL should handle the situation? Should both teams get a tie? Should they just call the game off entirely? Should they make the game up? What's the NFL's best course of action here? Obviously. Uh, both teams are in the playoffs. They've already clinched that, but mm -hmm. this was a battle for the one seed because the Bengals have already beaten the Chiefs. Excuse me, who I think are the two right now. So they already have the tiebreaker. Then they would eventually have the tiebreaker over the one if they won last night. I don't know. Um, I, I think they're going to take their time making the decision. I, this is when it's the first time you're, you're handling something. You, I think you take all the safety precautions if you can. I, I think you can call it a tie and move on. People will be upset because maybe the Bengals don't get all the home field advantage if they were ended up being mm -hmm. the one seed. I just don't know if that matters. I, how do you even play football for the rest of the season? Um, I guess you you wait for a positive update. Once you get that, then it kind of eases your mind a little bit. Um, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was crazy that it was even a thought that they were going to go to the locker room maybe for an hour mm -hmm. or whatever, and then come back and play. Like, okay, obviously we didn't know the severity of it in real life. Um, you know, we, we couldn't really get updated. No one has updates. Um, th these are human beings before they are athletes. There is no way that you can watch a teammate, a brother, a son, uh, his mom was in the stands and be mentally okay to be as sharp as you need to be to play a professional sport. Um, it's got to be all there to play professional sport. You got to yeah. be there physically. You got to be there mentally. You got to want it. Dude, professional athletes crying on the field. I, I don't know how you can go play that game. So I don't know. I, I think they're, we're just going to see a wash and move on with the season as best we can. But it, it's going to be a tough season, I think, for the entire football community, even in the playoffs. Um, I think before every game, you'll, there'd be a moment of silence or a moment of prayer, whatever they're going to call it. Yeah. Um, I like that at, idea. At, at least until we get some kind of positive news that he can wake up and start breathing on his own, uh, which is obviously best case scenario. So I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I think they're going to take their time making this decision. There's obviously not another NFL game until Saturday. So they do have some time to try to wait for more information um, I think they really need to listen to the players. I know the NFL is yep. a business. I know they're all about making money, owners, this and that. This is different, man. This is this is a situation where these are human beings before they are NFL athletes, before they're uh, professional athletes. I think you need to listen. I think if I think if someone says they need more time, like 
if Josh Allen and Ka- and Stefan Diggs and the rest of the captains of the Bills, what if they say we're not ready to play on Sunday? What do you think? The, I don't think the NFL is going to make them forfeit a game. No, nah, I think um, that – I mean, honestly, I don't think you make them forfeit necessarily. I think that you just rule last night's game as a tie, and I think that if they say they're still not ready to play yet, then I think you just – let them play one less game than everyone else, you know, and you just go based off win percentage for playoff tiebreakers, you know, I mean, as much as that sucks, I mean, it's not like that it's something they can control, you know what I mean? It's their teammate. It's their brother that they put their pads on and go to war with, you know, like it's not like that. It's just, you know what I mean? Like it's understandable if they don't want to play that game. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the right call is. Um, I think if you come back and play immediately, I think people have problems Mm -hmm. with that, even though they're going to be playing for him in memory of him. Uh, or not in memory. He's not. He's he's still alive. Um, with him with him on his mind. Yeah. Um, and I think if I think if they say they're not ready, I think there's a lot of people are going to say that's totally fine. Like that, you know, mental health is yeah. uh, being talked about more and more than it's ever been. And this is this was scary uh, for everyone involved. For me watching on TV, for them being on the field, for for everyone. This this was a scary situation. 100 percent Ben. it was a freaky situation and once again we hope the best and we hope that uh damar is able to get back out there on the field soon um ben let's talk about the college football playoff though and a heck of a game it was first of all guys these are the two best college football games you'd ever had in the playoff i mean ben and i talked we got two matchups finally we yeah we fin- yeah we finally did it only took us this long me and ben i think talked in length on the last podcast about how these games are always blowouts Never interesting. Ben, you got to start things off, man. Shout out to your TCU Horn Frogs for uh, pulling off the biggest upset in the college football playoff history. The question is, is it though? Because Michigan and Harbaugh have been that exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, we've seen them. Um, Point spread wise, it is. I thought I saw something. I, I feel like this is wrong. Is it possible that Harbaugh is 0-6 in bowl games at Michigan? Yeah, he might be because he lost. Al- lost Al- he lost yeah, Alabama. Alabama. He lost to Florida State. He lost both Final Four games. I don't remember. I, I don't remember I what bowl over. game they played in the in their. Uh, yeah, he probably is because I don't remember what bowl game they played in during the COVID year. So I, yeah, I'd say that's probably right. Yeah. Um. So it wasn't a shock. Um. I guess, but. I mean, like, was it was it that big of an upset? I mean, TCU was great all season long. We knew their offense was great. I mean, I'll flat out tell you the reasons why I picked TCU plus eight and TCU money line. Mm-hmm. Like, when you, I told you that I think I texted you this, told you on the phone. When you're an eight point spread, obviously that's more than a touchdown, mm-hmm. uh, which is considered a lot in a in a semifinal game. And when you play like Michigan, meaning most of their touchdowns, most of their uh, big plays all come from the run. They're, they are a run first, run second, pass third team. And I think it's harder to blow someone out when you're a run first team because you're less mm-hmm. likely to get a 40 to 50 or, or a 30 yard run than it is a, 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 you know, a reception yeah. to take it to the house. And Michigan, yeah, they did it against Ohio State, sure, but they really don't throw the ball downfield very often. And TCU pretty much only throws the ball downfield. Um. So I think playing styles, I think TCU matched up a lot better against Michigan than they're going to against Georgia in the national championship. We'll get to that at a later date, obviously, but 
I don't know if it was like that crazy of an upset. I really don't. I mean, Heisman Trophy uh, candidate and quarterback, first round draft pick and receiver in Quentin Johnson. Sonny Dykes has been around for a long time. Uh, this is definitely great for college football that that programs can now see TCU who doesn't get a bunch mm-hmm. of five stars, who doesn't get uh, you know this and that. That look, listen, great coaching, great discipline, great teamwork, and they're in the college football playoff final. Yeah, no, God, I did let Ben say his, say his fill there. I agree with Ben completely. I mean, Sonny Dykes and Joseph Gillespie did one hell of a job in this game. I mean, the fact that Sonny Dykes did this with a, as a first-year head coach, and I mean, Gillespie completely basically shut down the run attack for Michigan. They had to go into be, basically be a pass primary team, which is something that they have not been all season long, and it still did not work out. I mean, the first play, they had busted almost a touchdown on the opening play, and then after that, it was all downhill. Yeah, I mean, listen, TCU, I, I think I talked about it when we did our preview. They have serious speed. And I'm not saying Michigan hasn't seen that before because Ohio State's got it. Michigan, you know, has some athletes as well. But, dude, these these crosser routes that TCU is running, these guys weren't touched and going 60 Oh, I know. Yards. Both teams were doing it. This was mm-hmm. the most insane game, the most non-defensive football game I've seen maybe ever. I mean the the USC Tulane one just a couple just yesterday or a couple of days ago was was probably a little bit more, but this was insane. There was no defense playing at all. We kind of expected that from TCU, but not from Michigan at all. No, one hundred percent. I mean, Ben, let's be honest. Max Duggan, man, he's just a straight up gamer. Max Duggan gamer. proved to me I think that he can play in the NFL. And on top of that. I mean, a lot of it was him. Like, he would run around the pocket and extend the plays. And then, like, that one big play they hit to Johnston in the second, in the, I guess it was the fourth quarter by then. But when they hit him on that huge pass play, Duggan just bought a little bit more time with his legs and made the throw. Whenever they needed to run for stuff, Duggan pulled it down on the ground and punched it in and got the first downs. Like, I just really felt like the TCU, you know, gave Michigan their A game. They did. He's he's tough. He knows how to win. He makes, he I mean, he really makes all the plays. Like he, it's insane how good this kid is. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. I think he's definitely getting drafted. I think he definitely has a shot in the NFL to at least compete. Um, and you know, like he's not going to be a starter from day one. Don't get me wrong, but he's probably not a bad backup to have. Yeah, not at all. I mean, shoot, I I would love to see the Falcons pick him up in the third round and see if he can't come in there and take the job from Ritter. Um, let's talk about the Michigan side of things, though. Look, first thing for Michigan here, I think they really outcoached themselves. I thought the Philly special, I'm calling it the Villanova special since that was not a Philly special they ran there. Um, that, that was so stupid. I mean, you got to run a pass play or a run play but is there. But it, isn't it one of those plays where it's stupid when it doesn't work and it's it's an awesome play call when it does, though? I would agree with that, but also I was thinking about it this way. So, J.J. McCarthy is, is kind of a mobile passer. He's not exactly what yeah. you would call a pocket passer. So, Odds are TCU probably told them, look for McCarthy to try to roll out and pass here. So they probably already had somebody playing. It looked like they already had somebody playing contain in that side, and he just absolutely blew the play up. I mean, I don't know. I thought, it was, I thought it was, yeah, way too cute. And then I don't think there's any way you could overturn that touchdown. I feel like it, whatever the call was on the field, it had to stand. And the fact they overturned that to me was pretty ridiculous. But, I mean, at the same time, Michigan still had plenty of chances to win the game, so you can't blame it all on that. I will say, Ben, I think if these teams played nine times out of ten times, I think Michigan probably wins that game. But, you know, that's – I don't know. I mean, I think TCU could honestly score on Michigan at will. Um, Maybe seven out of ten. Plus uh, the two pick sixes, you know. 
Yeah, that's I was gonna say the game being that close and TCU got breaks like the two pick sixes. Um, what's interesting about a pick six is obviously it's great for your team, but it's almost like a I don't know the word for it. It's not negative really, but it's like your defense gets right back on the field. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like if, if Michigan's you know driving the ball, driving the ball, driving the ball, the defense getting a little tired, then they get a pick six. Well, the defense is getting right back on the field. Um, it's obviously you get seven points. Don't get me wrong, but. Yeah, with that game being that close when, when TCU got the breaks was was certainly telling. I think I think that's why a lot of America is going to think they don't have a chance against Georgia because Georgia doesn't typically beat themselves and making mistakes. But we'll get to Georgia in a, uh, in a second here. Michigan, I agree. It got a little too cute on the goal line. I, it's not the time to do that. It's not a mm-hmm. forfeit goal after a timeout type of play. Um. The touchdown itself, I think the only reason you could say maybe it's not was because his he was facing the ball was facing the field. Yeah. The ball wasn't facing the end zone, even though his butt looked like it was in the end zone. The ball wasn't. Uh, I agree with you. I think if it was called a touchdown, I think it's a touch. I think it stands as a touchdown instead of confirmed. It wasn't what I, I believe they called it not a touchdown on the field, right? No, they called it a touchdown on the field. Oh, so they reversed it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't necessarily have an explanation for it. I think only because the ball wasn't there. But listen, that game, that the third and fourth quarter, it, it didn't come down to that non-touchdown. Um Michigan could have won that game late in the game. Mm-hmm. They just get a get a stop. Your defense was like top five, top ten in the country. Just get one stop, two stops, yep. maybe. Like they couldn't do it. Um Harbaugh is going to be interesting because now rumors are flying once again that he's that he might go to the NFL if he's offered. Apparently, the Carolina Panthers are interested. I would imagine the Indianapolis Colts are interested because yep. if, for the people that don't know, Harbaugh played quarterback for the Colts and Jim Irsay was the owner then. He is still the owner now. We know Irsay likes to likes to bring back some former people because <laughs> yeah. he just brought back Jeff Saturday. He even remember he asked. Like when Peyton Manning retired, when there was broadcasting rumors, I'm pretty sure Ursay asked him if he wanted to have a front office job. Yeah, he um, did. Yeah, I mean, he he knows what he likes, and uh, I think Harbaugh is a terrific candidate for any NFL team. We, I just think, listen, he's done it both. He's been in the NFL for a while. He's been in college for a long time. But when he was in college prior to coming back to Michigan, it was a different style mm-hmm. of having to coach. NIL wasn't a thing. I just feel like this – Recruiting an NIL could be something that just, I mean, I don't know if Harbaugh wants to do it 365 days um, a year. And here's the thing about Michigan. So Michigan recruits, well, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say they don't, but they are more often than not outside of the top five. They're probably in the top 10 pretty often, but the difference between number 10 and number one is like three five-star impact players. And I, and I did some research with my roommate today. You can go to mm-hmm. any class and look at the just look at the five stars. Almost all of them are in the NFL. Almost all of them are in the NFL. And yeah, teams will even take the, a risk on you at like a late round or as like an undrafted yeah, guy, and, you know. And I think some of the big games he's had to play, and I think he's getting out coached. He's getting and the talent's not there. That wasn't the case with TCU. TCU just out coached him, outplayed mm-hmm. him. They just couldn't get a stop in Michigan. Um I love Harbaugh in college football, but I do think he just belongs in the NFL because I know that he's had success both places. So whatever he decides, I think it, I think it's a massive loss if Michigan loses him. I really do. They've had they have struggled mm-hmm. um, a lot when John or when uh, Jim Harbaugh has not been their coach. 
So I don't know where they turn to next. We know they love the Michigan men being their head coaches. That's kind of like their tradition. Someone who went to the school. I'd have to look up candidates who went there, but we'll wait. We'll wait until he decides whether he's staying or leaving. But uh, Michigan's going to have a good year again next year. The the talent's still there. It's Mm -hmm. just, can they get over that hump? I don't know. Absolutely. They haven't done it. I think it's a good time for Harbaugh to go ahead and get out of town with NIL and stuff coming up. I think that, think it's a good time to go ahead and get out of town and get back to the NFL. I would if I was him at least, especially if you can go to Indianapolis or Carolina. I think those are solid landing spots for him. Um, let's talk about the second game. First of all, Ben, was this game the best game in the history of the college football playoff? It's it's probably up there with the Georgia-Oklahoma Rose Bowl. Um, that one was like 52-48, I think the final score was. Uh, and loads of talent on both sides. Hey, I mean, it's definitely yep. up there. I'd, I'd have to probably think. I mean, the USC-Texas National Championship is up there with Vince Young. Um, what about Florida State-Auburn? Yeah, Florida State-Auburn's up there as well. Yeah. I mean, there, the there's one, a the lot one of Ben games. doesn't want to mention, uh, Clemson beating Alabama. Clemson, no, Clemson beating Alabama was a walk-off touchdown. That's up there yeah. as well. So, you know, Boise State-Oklahoma, because that was such a massive – um, upset, I think that's up there. I mean, there, there's a lot of good games in college football mm-hmm. history. I don't know if one necessarily sticks out. This is certainly one of, um, as a flash of lightning just shot yep. over my head. Saw that um, too. Yeah, this this is certainly one of them for sure. Um, I, I don't know if there can be a definitive number one best game. I feel like that's okay. pretty subjective. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. It was a hell of a game, though. Um, ultimately, though, we did have. I mean, the George, the Georgia Oklahoma Rose Bowl. How is that not just as good? Sony Michelle scored a, a wildcat rushing touchdown uh, as time was like basically expiring that yeah. sent it to overtime, and that game also sent Georgia to the national championship. So it's like, I mean, I don't know how you pick one. No, I'm 100% with you there. It's a pretty tough choice to make there. Um, look, Ben, after Stetson Bennett leads the insane comeback, I think it's time. Obviously, you can't unseat Herschel Walker as he's the face of Georgia football and has been for our whole lives. But is he the next best player in Georgia history behind Herschel Walker? So it's, I guess it depends on how you word it. If if we're talking talent, obviously it's not. Yeah. Um, I, I still have George Vance that text me and be like, how can you say he's not that talented? I mean, are we, are we watching the same career here? Like, yeah. Even Kirby smart didn't even praise Stetson Bennett for most of his post game. He was like, he has to play better if we want to win a national championship. If the head coach is saying it, then I can say it too. Um, Stetson Bennett is extremely clutch. He started the game, I think 10 for 10 or 10 for 11. Then he finished the game 10 for 12 in the fourth quarter. He's extremely clutch. He is a – yeah, I mean, the answer is probably yes. If, if Georgia hasn't – I don't even remember. How long was it uh, since they had won a title before last year? Um, I think like 40-something years. Whatever it was. I don't know why I can't remember it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's the one that brought him back to the promised land. In terms of talent, yeah, Georgia's had more talented quarterbacks. Aaron Murray, Matthew Stafford, uh, David Green, DJ Shockley. I mean, those guys were all insanely talented, but no. None of them outperformed Stetson in a, in a career. He's the great. He's like one of the greatest stories, if not the greatest story that college football has ever seen. He's he's Rudy, but better than Rudy. <laughs> yeah, it's actually nah. He literally is Rudy, but you, the, I actually like that comparison a lot. I'd never even heard that one before. 
Um, I would say Stetson Bennett definitely is at this point. I mean, the fact that he's taken them to two national championships, the only player, other player that did that was Herschel Walker. He's definitely been the face he, of the yeah, team. He's not the, he's not the second most talented guy to ever come through Georgia, but no. he, might be this, through Georgia. He, he might be, this, uh, the list can go on. And yeah, on. exactly. We can uh, sit here all day and debate it. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, he is, he's the second greatest player in Georgia history. And mm-hmm. if he wins two national championships, like you're going to think I'm crazy, but I get, I mean, Herschel has a Heisman and a and a national championship. Stetson could have two national championships. Just kind of depends on how much you think the Heisman's worth. I mean, Stetson made it to New York, whether you think he deserved it or not. He was there. Yeah. And he could win two national championships. He's up there as one of the greatest Georgia players ever, which is going to be funny looking back on it in about 20 years. Oh, for sure. He's definitely cashed in a lifetime of uh, being is he able to an make NFL? Money. Like, is he an NFL player? I don't even know if he gets no. drafted. He's yeah. not getting drafted. He'll get it. He'll get a shot in training camp to uh be a backup, but nah, he ain't. Which is crazy to think that one of the greatest players in program history is not going to get drafted. But yeah, well, it's kind of like Troy. Actually, I guess Troy Smith did get drafted, but still, he's um, had a hell of a career. He's not done yet. Yeah, you know, he definitely has. He's definitely not done yet. Ben, do you, do you think that Keely Ringo and Jalen Carter's uh draft stock went down a lot after this game was over? Not Carter. Um, just too much unbelievable tape for Jalen mm-hmm. Carter. He's gonna t- he's gonna test out of the gym just like Jordan Davis did at the combine. I don't think him. But Ringo is interesting, but we we talk about it all the time. What's the hardest position to play in football? Corner. You're allowed to get burned by Marvin Harrison Jr. and uh, Abuke, whatever his name is, and and uh, Jamison Williams. Um, yeah, and John like. I think Ring. I think Ringo is fine. I mean, it may have dropped a little bit, but I think NFL GMs. I think people realize how hard it is to play corner. Um, so no, I think you know he's he's got a lot of good tape on in his past two years at Georgia. He, he played as a true freshman. He obviously made the very famous interception on Bryce Young to, and then ran it back to um, really put the nail in the coffin and yep. win the national championship. So. I don't know if they go down. Jalen Carter, I think, definitely doesn't go down. I don't think Ringo's does. I, I still think he's a stud of a corner, but it's just really hard to play corner. No one really stopped Marvin Harrison Jr. all season. We'll see if anyone can do it next season. Um, probably not. I, I don't think you can get blamed for trying to cover these Ohio State receivers, but these guys are first-round talents. Yeah, no, I don't think they dropped off that much. I mean, at the end of the day, it was a big game, college football. I mean, you saw the same theme in the first game, too, and these games probably have the best players in the nation on the field. On top of that, it's all about recency bias. If these guys play well in the national championship and they put something decent on tape at the combine, they'll be more than fine. Nobody's going to care about any of that stuff. So the que- I have a question for you, though. If you, okay. had, to, if you had to rank the, the four teams that made the semifinal, how are you ranking them? Because I heard, I heard something interesting today. I'm still going Georgia at one. Yep. I'm still taking Michigan at two. Okay. And then I'm ta- and then I'm going TCU. I'm still staying sticking with the same order. Okay. I I heard, I was hearing some people that would go Georgia one, Ohio State two. Um, How can you take Ohio State at two? They got they got just embarrassed at their own building by Michigan. Taking them over them is just idiotic. It is. Um, I think. It's a little bit of recency bias from the person that said it because Ohio State played the best team in the country all the way down to the wire. They also had what a month to get ready for the game. Yeah, I was just I was just curious. I I don't know. I I, listen, if you look at stats wise, obviously TCU's defense is going to hurt them. 
I just think I when you play that many one score mm-hmm. games, we're gonna see how it helps or hurts the Vikings, but you are more battle tested than everyone. I think TCU was perfectly comfortable going back and forth in that game with Michigan. They'd been there all season long. Yeah. Michigan didn't really go back and forth that often. Ohio State didn't go back and forth that often. Georgia definitely didn't go back and forth at all. I think TCU is very comfortable in a fourth quarter game when they're down, they're up, or it's tied. I think they're very comfortable. No, I'm 100% with you on that one, Ben. Um, Let's keep it moving here. Let's talk about things a little bit here from the Ohio State side of things. Ben, did you think that C.J. Stroud's draft stock was completely restored after this game? (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. You and I were a little tough on him after Mm -hmm. the Michigan game. He deserved Uh, it, though. Yeah, yeah, he, he went showed up o- once in a big game till that going. Yeah, I mean, he went 0-2 against Michigan in his career. But, yeah, I mean, this guy was moving in the pocket better than mm-hmm. he's better we've seen a lot. He was throwing dimes down the field, throwing dimes short, uh, medium, and long, making great decisions. Um, yeah, I think he I think he looks like a stud. I, I still think there's no debate on who the best quarterback is going into the draft. I certainly think C.J. Stroud can put himself as number two because we know, as we've been reading, People are very high on Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. I think Stroud's definitely number two ahead of those two guys. Um, I'm 100% with you on that one. I think that Stroud's definitely number two now. I think he submitted himself in that spot. I really think he restored a lot of his draft hype. But, I mean, I think this game was crucial for him, though, really, with his draft. Like, if he came out and played another bad game in a big game like that, I think yeah. that he would have really dropped until, like, the later half of the first round. I think ultimately somebody would take him just because QBs are a dime a dozen at this point in time. But... You know, I think that he came out and I mean, he looks like a completely different player. He was making other reads and getting the ball to that third option. He was running the ball and changing the game with his legs. He looked the most comfortable. He looked comfortable and like the game had slowed down to him. And that Michigan game, he looks like Sam Darnold seeing ghosts. In this game, he looks like he was fully in control the entire game. Yeah, he's played well in some of his losses in his college career. Um, Not every loss is necessarily on him. This one is definitely not. And it's not on, I don't think it's on Ryan Day either. No, 100%. I definitely don't think it was Ryan Day's fault at all. I just think that – I don't I – th- I just think that, like – Defense, know, I th- defense yeah, didn't show up at all for either team. Mm-hmm. No, 100% that. Um, Ben, do you think that Ryan Day would be on the hot seat if that they lose – if that they miss the playoff next year? Um – not necessarily. I guess it depends on how they miss it. If they lose three games in the regular season mm-hmm. and miss it, then probably. Um, not necessarily because I. not every loss is on him. I get it. He's the head coach, but like, it's tough to put blame on anyone when you're scoring 42 points a game and you take a loss. Obviously, yeah. it's on the defense at that point, but Georgia's defense wasn't getting stops either. I, you know, it, that game was who came to the – the biggest the biggest problem I had in that game, and, and I went back to rewatch it, was so I, I looked up a stat. So the Ohio State yeah. kicker's been tremendous in his Ohio State career. He was 11 for 11 on field goals from 40 to 49 distance. Wow. Ohio State got the ball after that last first down, mm-hmm. and it was a 48-yard field goal. I think at that point, Ryan Day's feeling pretty comfortable knowing his guy has not missed a kick in two years from the distance of 40 to 49. So he tried to, you know, try to do a run play and Georgia snuffed it out. Loss of two yards. That pushes him outside of the 11 for 11 mm-hmm. range. And then they tried to throw it and it was an incomplete pass. And at that point they went for it. And I think they know the kicker can have the distance. I think it's a tough, 
tough ask for your college kicker to make a 50-yarder. Uh, in that situation, obviously, crowd noise was insane. I heard there was a ton of Ohio State fans there. Yeah, there was. Um, I, I think it's tough. I think I think Ryan Day was comfortable kicking for 48. His kicker is very comfortable, 11 for 11. Mm-hmm. He can't get more comfortable than that. Um, and that's not a small sample size. 11 kicks, 11 makes. So I just think it just didn't go their way. I think he absolutely had a chance to make that kick, but right off the foot, you knew it was a disaster. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I think that Ryan Day got too conservative there. I think he should have tried a couple more pass plays to try to get down the field a little bit more. Obviously, he didn't want to take a sack, but I think he still should have just gone for it. You know, you gotta, you can't get too conservative. They were carving the defense up all game. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Who's to say Abuka couldn't get back behind the defense one more time there? Um, I mean, it, it's you know Marvin Harrison Jr. getting knocked out of the game doesn't doesn't help Ohio State's chances. He's he's their best player. Uh, that's including Stroud. Um, you know, I'm not going to say what's on my mind, but we've, we've seen, we've seen teams, better players be knocked out against Georgia mm-hmm. in the past. Um, my Alabama Crimson died, didn't have Mechie and they didn't have a whole half of a game without Jameson Williams. That's a different team without those two. Ohio state is a different team without Marvin Harrison jr. On the field. It doesn't matter if Fleming is, is a good five-star. It doesn't yeah. matter if a is a good five-star. Marvin Harrison Jr. was carving that defense up. I think he was like five for 102 and two touchdowns. That's a game changer. And unfortunately, injuries happen. Um, I don't think it was a targeting. Obviously, I think it's a close call. Um, But that changes the game. When your best player gets out of the game, that Mm -hmm. changes it. So, um, listen, that's a part of football. That's a part of sports. Injuries happen. It's unfortunate. Uh, Georgia had injuries in that game as well. So, it, it, it didn't come down to that kick, but Ohio State had a chance to win because of the kick, and it did not go their way. Yeah, not one bit. Um, ben, last topic we got real quick here for college football. Um, Lincoln Riley, you think, needs to drop Alex Grinch after yesterday's yeah. performance. You want to yeah, elaborate time, a little bit? Yeah, it's time for a divorce. Um, these guys are obviously good, good friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were with each other in Oklahoma. What was Oklahoma's problem? Defense. Wasn't, wasn't scoring points, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Um, and I get it. He brought with him to USC. I think that was a smart move because mm-hmm. obviously they were going to have to have a lot of success in the transfer portal to build up USC in year one. And, and they had a tremendous amount of su- uh, success this year um, in the transfer portal, putting together a great team. They were one game away from the college football playoff, but it's, it's getting to the point where the only thing holding Lincoln Riley back is a deep, is an average defense. It does not even need to be good. Lincoln Riley's had the best, one of the best quarterbacks in college football uh, three different times now, and Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, mm-hmm. and now Caleb Williams. Jalen Hurts was no slouch for Oklahoma as well. They can't stop a fruit flop. They can't stop a high school defense. They can't. They're horrible. If you go back and watch that USC Tulane game, they can't get off. They can't get off tackles. They can't shed blocks. They can't tackle when they're even in spots to tackle. They can't cover the deep ball. Mm -hmm. They gave up over 300 rushing yards to Tulane. I know Tulane's a tremendous running football team. That's embarrassing for USC with the athletes they have compared to Tulane. Uh, But shout out Green Wave. That is the – that's their first New Year's Six Bowl since 1939 when they won the Sugar Bowl when they were a part of the SEC. That's insane. Yeah, no, it was – I mean, I don't know if you said this part or not, Ben, but their quarterback completed six passes in this game. Yeah. I mean uh, – I think, yeah, six or seven, yeah. 
Yeah, it was it was one of the two. I mean, that's there ain't any excuses in the book right there. Um, the other thing too that's kind of weird is USC. I mean, Oregon State only ran for 153, and that's really the only other like rush dominant team they played against. But I don't know. I think some of it was them kind of phoning in the bowl game. But no, I'm 100 with you here. No excuses whatsoever for dropping that game. I mean. It, it apparently like their win percentage was so high in the situation they were in right before they fumbled that kickoff. Like there's no excuses in the book for losing that game. Um, let's flip over here to the NFL though. First team I got to talk about here, guys. Look, I told you guys, it's been telling you guys all season. The Vikings are frauds. Not yeah. only did I tell you the Packers would blow them out. I've been saying for week after week after week. Well, what happened? 4 PM Kirk cousins came out there. He got dominated. Jair Alexander put Justin Jefferson in his back pocket, and the Vikings got embarrassed. I'm not going to sit here and say they're pretenders because I've told you guys they're pretenders all season long. Yeah, uh, they're obviously going to make the playoffs, but um, yeah, when he doesn't play at 1 o'clock, his stats for his career are just insane. I, mm-hmm. I don't disagree with anything he said. I, I wasn't. I was kind of making fun of you a little bit because you just keep betting against the Vikings, and it, it worked. <laughs> Um, I'll tell you it's that been a, it's it been a profitable worked. strategy. <laughs> it worked. I don't know if I can do it though this week. Um, next one up on here, Ben. Will Carson is Carson Wentz finally going to be a backup quarterback yes. next season? That's the easiest yes ever. So I looked up his contract. He actually <laughs> he has an opt out. Um, and if he didn't have an opt out, someone would have to obviously trade for him, and he would be making twenty million dollars a year. Yeah, Carson Wentz is officially a backup quarterback, and. Uh, what a career his is going to like look back at. He was almost the MVP of the entire league and then kept getting injured and he fell off the face of the earth. I think he's an example of it. He had to go through a lot of mental hurdles. Mm-hmm. And I think it got to him. He doesn't play with much confidence anymore. Yeah. And when you don't play with confidence, you're not going to get a great result. And I think it hurts your confidence even more. He's had different coaches and teams believe in him, believe in him. And uh, it hasn't really gone its way since. So, yeah, I don't think he's a starter anymore. Yeah, looking back on it, the Eagles were geniuses for dumping him and then uh, being able to ditch that contract and get something back in it when they did. They definitely sold the highest they possibly could on the asset. But, yeah, I'm going to, I actually, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense what you just said. And on top of that, too, I mean, people forget this guy was a freak runner, too, before he got hurt. I mean, Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz over on his rushing was like a, one of my favorite player props to take until he got hurt. After that, he didn't really run the ball as effectively anymore. Um, Ben Gardner Minshew kind of shit the bed this week. They did. He couldn't even get a first. They got one first down in the yeah. entire first half. Do you think he cost himself a big payday? Um, yeah, but I'd like to not even a shout out, but I'd like to, uh, for all the people that think Jalen hurts is a system quarterback. How's that system working? The Eagles have three losses and two of them when Jalen hurts didn't play. So is mm-hmm. he really a system quarterback? Because Gardner Minshew can't run that system. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he did. I think Gino, let me just uh, talk about Gino. Gino's going to be interesting because Gino might get paid. I'm yeah. not saying a fat payday, but Gino's good enough to be a starting quarterback. And, if, sure. this, and if Seattle wants to go younger, then they're going to go younger. Now, 100%. Um, ben, let's take a quick break and then finish up. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. So after a quick break, we are back here now. Um, ben, a couple of our last topics here real quick. Look. I don't know how much of this game you watched on Sunday, Ben. Do you think Justin Fields is overrated as a quarterback? Not overrated yet. He can't throw the football. But isn't this the path we saw with Lamar Jackson in his first, in his first couple of years? He wasn't really a great mm-hmm. thrower, uh, but he was an elite runner. 
Um, we saw it with someone. Daniel Jones is another guy. Yeah. Didn't really throw the football, but it was an elite runner. Um, there's someone else. Jalen Hurts was kind of like that, but Hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've seen some guys. I think he's he's just got to develop. I think that's it. So overrated, not yet. It's it's very short in his career. Um, but so not yet. He's an elite runner. No, for sure. I'm I'm with you on that one. I think he's more of a uh, – I mean, he's an elite at running the ball, but to be honest with you, man, he looks terrible throwing the ball. I think there's a lot of – I'm, I'm going to give him a pass because I think his offensive line sucks and I think his receivers suck. But, like, when I'm watching that game, he was holding on to the ball way too long, so they're either getting a holding penalty or he's just taking a sack, and it was ruining the entire drive because, I mean, it, by the time they'd run a real play, it'd be second down and 20 – or it'd be first and 20, you know, which is not something you can do, so – I think he's a little overrated right now, but I still think that he can definitely improve in his game. Um, Ben, we talked about it a little bit on text. Let's talk about it on here, though, man. Josh Dobbs puts the Tennessee Titans in a better position to win games than Malik Willis does. He made Trelon Burks look like the beast that he is. I mean, the offense looks a little bit more dynamic. If they could have blocked and kept Micah Parsons away from him, who knows what he could have done. Yeah. Um, what a wild of events for... Malik Willis, these last year and a half, people thought he was maybe going to be the first quarterback taken. Some people even thought he was going to be the first overall pick, first round pick. No, he slides, he slides, he slides. No one's believing in him. Uh, the, the Titans have a meaningful game, obviously, to get into the playoffs or to stay at home in the yeah. offseason uh, or the postseason, sorry. And so they sat Malik Willis along with the best, most of their starters, and Dobbs went out there. He competed his ass off. And I thought Dobbs played a very good game for the circumstances. Um, yeah, I agree with this decision. I think it's I think it sucks for Malik Willis that he didn't get to go out and compete when the other guy did and the other guy outperformed. But it's the right call. It, it really is the right call. And you know what? If Dobbs is struggling in that first quarter, he might yank him and go to Willis because this is a must-win game. Yeah, absolutely. It is a must-win. I think going with Dobbs is the right move. I would, I would have a run package in there that for Willis, you know, to come in and run the ball a little bit. Um, ben, I don't know how much of Sunday Night Football you watched. Kenny Pickett led a great fourth-quarter drive, made one of the best plays I've seen him make as a quarterback. Has he officially arrived as an NFL franchise QB? Yeah, he has. Two back-to-back game-winning drives. Um, when you look at Pickett play football compared to every other young quarterback, he looks so much calmer in the pocket mm-hmm. and throwing to people. And I get it. He's got great, great targets. Pat Fryermuth is a stud. Deontay Johnson is great. George Pickens yep. is is who we thought George Pickens was. Uh and yep. not every young quarter not yeah, not every young quarterback has those weapons. Um but I'm not gonna sit here and tell you the Steelers offensive coordinator is some genius because he's not because he has gotten scrutinized for years and years and years. I believe it's Matt Canada. Who used to work at LSU? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think Kenny Pickett is is the perfect draft pick for Pittsburgh. He's uh, he's obviously Pittsburgh in his blood, going to school there and uh, playing on the same field that he just played in college in the NFL. I I think Pittsburgh has their quarterback. I 100% believe in Kenny Pickett's abilities at this point compared to every other young quarterback. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you 100 percent on that one, Ben. I think Kenny Pickett has arrived, and I mean. Pickett made a lot of dynamic plays in that game, and, I mean, he's not coming out there putting up Mahomes and Josh Allen numbers, but he's winning games, and he gives the guys confidence. I mean, we forget how, like, awful this offense looked when they – I mean, it looks like Matt Canada needed to go when we had Trubisky in there. It's, 
I mean, Kenny Pickett has confidence. He knows we ought to get the ball to guys. He hangs in there, makes the throws. I think Kenny Pickett is growing, becoming better and better. And I mean, we're seeing a couple of these guys now with him and Burrow, you know, kind of be the older guys come out here and run shit when they get to the NFL. So it's good to see. Um, yeah, we, my, my roommate and I were talking about that. It's interesting you bring it up because I haven't talked about it with you. The age and quarterback is successful right now. Hendon Hooker at Tennessee, Stetson Bennett at Georgia, uh, um, Kenny Pickett coming to the NFL, Joe Burrow at LSU. Like These guys have been playing ball for a long time uh, at those specific levels, and it's worked out for a lot of those teams. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that. I think it really has changed. You know, when guys want those young, young guys. I think at this point in time, like, unless you're a freak athlete, unless you're like a freak just at the quarterback position, it's those mature guys who are the ones we see succeeding in the NFL now. Um, yeah. Ben, anything else you want to talk about, man, before we get out of here? How did Ritter look? I didn't, I didn't really watch the Falcons game. He looked – I mean – Cardinals defense sucks. First of all, he did not look good. He did not look bad, but I'm going to give him a pass. Just what, confidence, think our... what confidence, confidence rating do you give him to the Falcons not to draft someone that can play over him next year? Does he get the chance to see the guy next year or do they get someone that can bring him competition? I think they got to get somebody that can bring him competition. And I think that let him go out and win the job. You know, if he's worthy of it, let him win it. If not, then let somebody else have the job. I think that's the way it should be. And I would still keep him around. Cause I mean, worst case, he's not making much money. And if the guy gets hurt or if the guy's playing bad, give him another shot, you know, like it can happen like that. Quarterbacks are just not ready yet. I think Ritter has a chance, but I would be interested to see him get bring in somebody like Duggan and let him compete and see who can be the better quarterback for us. I don't hate that. Or Jimmy G. Yeah, shoot. I would love to have Jimmy G there. Unfortunately, I think he's going to the Jets, but that's a podcast for another day. Um, anyway, guys, Ben, it's been a pleasure as always, man. We'll be back for our uh, for our podcast on Thursday, guys. We're going to give you guys some picks. We'll talk about the national championship in depth, and then we'll be back on, I guess, Tuesday to recap the national championship and give you all how the, what the NFL playoffs are shaping up to be. Sweet. Um, All right, guys, let's take it out of here. Once again, we appreciate everyone who tuned in, and we'll talk to you all again soon.